And so I really wrestled with that a little bit because is it courageous to do something if you didn't fear it? Did you have to have courage? And so it made me think a lot about fear. What is fear? Fear is, you know, false evidence appearing real. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of something we've created in our mind? Are we afraid of something that society tells us? Like, what is that fear in all honesty? And it really made me unpack the concept of fear. And if you look at fear of failure, fear of poverty, fear of rejection, fear of not enoughness, like all of that is just stuff that we kind of stir up in our mind. And so I have to be honest, like I don't have those fears. Um, I'm logical and practical. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, let's just do it. Let's try it. Let's, let's swing the bat. Um, but I really, I have to be honest. I feel that fear is, is, is a trickery. It's like, you know, it's, it's the energy of like, it's not possible. And I just don't believe that. I think it's, it's all possible. Maybe you have to maneuver. Maybe you have to shift. Maybe it's going to take longer. Maybe you're going to trip and fall, but to fear it and not do it, I feel like is such a disservice to the absolute wonderful experience the universe wants you to have. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Randy Dick, and this is Return on Life podcast. Um, I have an amazing guest today. And as you know, we always talk about the ROI, and that was a big shift for me when I discovered that it's not about the ROI, it's about the ROL, return on life. And my guest today, oh my goodness, I mean, if there was a guest that I've had before, I don't think this would compare because we've got JB Owen today that um, I've met a number of months ago and I'm just blown away by everything that she's done and how she's turned everything into a piece of return on life. And so JB's done everything from an actress to a publisher, an author, a speaker, uh, probably a singer. I don't know. JB seems to do everything. And so I'm just so excited to uh, welcome you to the show here today, JB. Thank you for being here on Return on Life. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. And I love it. Return on Life. What a great podcast. Excited to be here. Thank you. Mm. When you hear return on life, um, let's kick it off with that. What, what, what comes to your mind when you think of return on life? It's such a good, uh, you know, message because many of us are just so busy doing and accomplishing and achieving and striving and doing all of these verbs that just get us into this momentum, into this stir and return on life. I mean, I was thinking about it as we were talking before the show, how important it is that we take the time for ourselves and what we do and put our time and investment and energy into really does help us have the best experience of life uh, for ourselves, for our kids, for our family. So for me, it really means a little bit less about self and more about community, more about energy, more about synergy. And um, I love returning on life. I think it's it's kind of the only the only way to live. Can we get it? So it's like we always are living based on having the best experience of life. I love that. I love that. And, you know, uh, you mentioned that, you know, it's it's about giving back. But I'm going to bring it around because I think if we don't know who we are, and we can actually give ourselves freedom and love and actually know who we are, even in the quiet, how can we give out or how can we give to others? Um, I don't know. I think you really get that piece of self-love. Um, 
before you it's so giving from the saucer let's talk about that like you have to fill your cup so your cup runneth over so you can give from the saucer so i would absolutely say to that and you can't give what you don't have you can't give what you don't know and i also am a huge proponent of you know give first ask later and so really it's true when your life is filled and when you're doing the things that you enjoy you're exuding your talents when you're filled with the joy that is important to you, it's so much easier to give to others. And then you return on life in this reciprocal way that creates a ripple effect. Where did you learn that? Like, I mean, that it's not a, it's not a concept that's taught anywhere. It's not in university, school. Where, where did you learn that concept? Wow, you know, no one has ever asked me that. But if I really scan my brain, the first thing that came to me was when I was a kid, I used to read Richie Rich comic books. Do you know Richie Rich comic books? I do, I do. I just thought of this for the first time in decades. When I was a kid, I used to read Richie Rich comic books and Richie Rich was so inventive. He was so creative. He was so good hearted. He, of course, had anything and everything. And it was all fantastical and wild and all the inventions. And he just had a good spirit about him and he was playful and joyous. And so I, I, I've never tracked it back to that moment. So this is like uncovering something I've never realized. But I remember reading those comic books and just knowing that anything was possible you know, you could invent anything that living, you know, in this grand way was really possible. And I just always was a dreamer, always a visionary, always an innovator. I love creating things. I was always building things. Uh, I was always manufacturing something, always trying to solve a problem. I worked really well with my hands. And so it just was a good fit. It just seemed like an easy way to make life joyous by doing the things that you love. And I think creative people do look for solutions and they'd love to innovate and, and make things. And so if you can make something and it comes from you and you've birthed it and you've created it, there's this real joy in that. Got goosebumps, got goosebumps because you know, I always look for change ingredients and I've never had somebody say a comic series was the change what? ingredient. And so <laughs> that is so awesome. And um, you know, for our listeners, there's many things that you may not think were change ingredients. And here's an example, a comic series, a comic book is a bit of a change ingredient. So don't, yeah. don't diss anything that you're working with or thinking about, because there's always life lessons in everything. And that can be change ingredients. Love it. I'll share one more with you. I did attend Sunday school when I was a kid, and I do remember my Sunday school teacher who was so amazing. She said, God wants everything for you. God has a room full of presents just waiting for you to unwrap. It's unlimited. It's endless. It's, you know, it's, it's a massive room with endless amount of presents. You just have to have the courage to walk through the door and start unwrapping them. And I, at six years old, I was just, you know, envisioning a room full of presents that God would, had prepared for me and they were all unique and they were just for me and nobody else's presence and nobody else could take my presence. It was my room. And so I just never had this sense of fear or this sense of worry or this sense of competition or this sense of greed that someone was going to take something that I didn't have because I just knew there was a room full of presents that God had prepared for me. And all I had to do was have the courage to open them. Hmm. Boy, you bring it back to my uh, my young years too in Sunday school in the basement of the church and uh, and listening to uh, my great Sunday school teachers as well explain uh, 
you know, how God is going to impact my life in so many ways. And uh, of course, um, I am, uh, you know, I guess the byproduct of that today. Yes. Um, my, my vision of that was there was always a warehouse, a massive, yes. massive warehouse. And I had the forklift to go and get anything I wanted. Yes. If I just went and jumped on the forklift, and, you know, yeah. and, and made sure that I was, you know, in, uh, in good favor and asking for it. But, uh, oh, my goodness, what a great, uh, great story and a great analogy of that. Um, so much of life is dictated by what we're told is what we need to do. And we, we you got to be in this lane. And you can't jump lane to lane and do all this. And you've chosen so many different lanes. Mm -hmm. Throughout your life, and um, and I think you've picked those different lanes because of the values that those lanes had at the time for you. I call those value graphics. You know, we we put value into things, and then we kind of like build our little piece out of that. Um, can you walk us through some of your journey and and why you chose certain lanes at certain times in your life, and maybe why you you moved out of some of those lanes? Mm, great question. I think I've just been an insatiable learner. And one of the things that someone accused me of early in life was that you don't take no for an answer. And I have an analogy now where I just say there's no such thing as no, because I never thought that failure was failure. I, I always believe that I'm going to try it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I have to learn. I have to be a student. I'm not going to get it right. Um, my husband is from the US and he moved to Canada and he wanted to learn to ski, but he's like, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to fall down. And I was like, yes, uh, actually falling down is part of learning to ski. Like it's going to happen. So I always felt like failure or stumbling or falling down was always a part of learning and always a part of anything that I was going to do. So right out of, I, I started my first business when I was nine, actually. Um, my parents said I couldn't do it. And I was like, watch me. Yes, I can. But I learned a very important lesson. Actually, I, I used to make little necklaces. I sold them at the tavern on the, I'd sit on the steps of the tavern near our house and walk a guy would walk up with his girlfriend. I'd be like, hey, mister, want to buy your girl a necklace? And she would kind of bat her eyelashes and I would put it on her and she would look at him and he would look at her and then he would buy it for her. And she was happy and I was happy and he was happy and everyone was happy. And I was like, an entrepreneur was born because I suddenly saw that I could make something that made people happy. So I had many businesses, but I did work in the cruise ship business. I did work, uh, live in the Dominican Republic and work in entertainment. I worked in the film business for 15 years. I had my own clothing company around the world. I started making washable feminine products for eco-friendly consciousness. I have been in publishing. I have been a newscaster. I just love trying new things. And I never believe that there is failure. Uh, you know that I just cycled to Mexico from Canada. When we first, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to try that too. <laughs> Oh my and my goodness. husband said to me, what if we fail? And I said, oh my gosh, if we get two blocks from our house, it's a success because we didn't stay home sitting on the couch. So any, any amount we get, uh, 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 10 miles, 100 miles, 5,000 miles, it's all a success. There is no failure. And so long-winded answer, I just never believe in failure. I just don't think failure exists. So therefore, with that attitude, I'm kind of fearless to try anything. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving that vein, uh, fear of failure. Um, I think it's powerful motivator. 
does fear motivate you? Is it is it friend, foe, or a motivator for you then? Or none of those? Well, you know, it's interesting. I just was working on our book, Ignite Your Courage, and I had to write my courage story. And I thought, wow, you have to be afraid to have courage because really courage is the byproduct of fear. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I don't really feel fear. Therefore, I don't really know if I have courage. And so I really wrestled with that a little bit because is it courageous to do something if you didn't fear it? Did you have to have courage? And so it made me think a lot about fear. What is fear? Fear is, you know, false evidence appearing real. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of something we've created in our mind? Are we afraid of something that society tells us? Like, what is that fear in all honesty? And it really made me unpack the concept of fear. And if you look at fear of failure, fear of poverty, fear of rejection, fear of not enoughness, like all of that is just stuff that we kind of stir up in our mind. And so I have to be honest, like I don't have those fears. Um, I'm, I'm logical and practical. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, let's just do it. Let's try it. Let's let's swing the bat. Um, but I really I have to be honest. I feel that fear is 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 a trickery. It's like, you know, it's it's the energy of like, it's not possible. And I just don't believe that. I think it's it's all possible. Maybe you have to maneuver. Maybe you have to shift. Maybe it's going to take longer. Maybe you're going to trip and fall. But to fear it and not do it, I feel like is such a disservice to the absolute wonderful experience the universe wants you to have. Hmm. That's a really interesting concept. I've never heard that before. You know, if if we don't fear, maybe we don't have courage to do it, but you put it so eloquently that way. You know, when, when we fear, what do we do? We tense up and we take short breaths versus long inhale and exhale. I, uh, it's just a different physiological, phys mm -hmm. phys physiological, exactly. Physiological, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But it just changes the makeup of who we are. Um, so I think you can have both, but you can just relax in it as well, mm. which is what I think you do. You just relax in the, in the piece of, well, it probably is going to be scary, but I'm okay with that. And I've got courage to get through it. Yeah, like I have felt fear uh, recently, as again, I'll refer back to our cycling, my husband and I cycled tandem from Canada to Mexico, I have to tell you the, the roads in down the Baja are a lane and a half, you know, there's no ditch, there's no side roads, there's lots of big trucks. And there were times where I was, you know, squeezing the handlebars, because I was afraid that, you know, we would wipe out or we would fall or somebody would hit us. But the fear was so replaced with as soon as I feel the fear, I just tell myself a new idea. So I have this thing called upright and tight. So I, when I feel afraid on the bike, I just say I'm upright and tight, which means our bike is always upright. We're tight. We're on the road. We're tight. And I just say like a new affirmation, like I just give myself a new thought to think. Mm. I used to think of like gold coins, raindrops. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I'm afraid of something. I'll be like, oh, it's raining gold coins. And so I just give myself something new to think about because the truth is the fear of falling, the fear of, of you know, public ridicule, the fear someone's going to say something, the fear you're not going to make it. It's all just in the mind. So why not trick yourself with like golden coins raining down or, you know, something more enjoyable that gets you through that fear thought? Well, and like anything whether it be courage or whatever, you know, it's almost like a muscle that you just need to work at and work at and work at. And so mm -hmm. 
you know, every every truck that passed you, uh, you know, okay, well, that that's three, four, five, six. Uh, you know, it's less and less scary, and you have more and more courage to be on the road with with the trucks and those narrow roads and no ditch and <laughs> and all that. Right. You know, some of your viewers might be, well, that's pretty silly, JB Gold Coins. But I'll tell you this, in all practicality, I really visualize being at the end. So before I even started cycling, I saw myself already at the finish line. I already saw myself accomplishing it, getting there, the success of it. And so that vision that I hold on to of the completion is really what pulls me forward. Mm -hmm. It pulls me towards what I want. And I just keep focusing on that goal. And so every time I get off track a little bit, um, uh, with any of my business adventures, I do lots of things that are not conventional. I do lots of things that for many decades, women didn't do in business. I mean, I've been in business for almost 40 years. And there was a time when that just, that wasn't what women did. They didn't do business like that. I got on a plane and flew to China in 2007 to start a business, didn't speak Chinese, wanted to just, just knew I was going to do it. Just got off the plane and said, okay, where do we get started? Terrified not knowing but like let's just do it so ha knowing that it was going to going to uh like come about so when you really focus on what you want when you see the end goal when you see the finished product when you see yourself standing on the stage when you see it all working out that's what you need to just keep focusing on to overcome the fear mm, very good hey we're going to get into some really cool people that jb's been with met spent time with in a bit here too but I want to stay here a little bit because 40 years, don't tell me that you've never doubted yourself. Don't tell me that you've never had, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But I, I have this thought with doubt. Doubt, we only doubt things that are good for us. You know, things that are really, really good. And I see doubt as not something to stop doing, but it's it's like a speed bump or a caution sign. Just slow down, yeah. just process a little bit more but not to stop, but just like doubt is that little thing that says, hmm, you might just want to like slow down a little bit just to make sure you're you're doing it the right way. Not that you shouldn't stop this, but just to slow down and, and reassess a little bit. What do you think about that through the doubt that you've maybe had over the course of 40 years of business? Yeah, well, I will say that um, I think every decision is like a daisy chain to the next decision. So when you doubt something, it's because that decision or that idea is attached to the next idea. And so doubt makes you look at things from a 360 degree viewpoint. It makes you take a pause. Exactly. It makes you reassess. It makes you reevaluate. And, you know, indecision is, you know, the fruit of all, I think, failure or ineffectiveness is indecision. So having doubt to make a better decision, I feel is like that for me, that's how doubt comes in. It's like, oh, maybe there's something I wasn't looking at. Maybe there wasn't something I wasn't uh, realizing. And not that I doubt myself, particularly maybe it's doubting the decision, not necessarily doubting me as a person or me as a business owner. I will say, though, that rejection sometime happens around doubt like so you you want something to happen and then it doesn't happen you want somebody to show up and they don't show up you want to get voted you want to get picked you want to get chosen it doesn't happen and so you start to feel like that rejection was 
oh, it's obvious. Now I should doubt my decision. But rejection really is God's protection is now my my thing that I always say, like when something happens, not exactly the way you wanted it to unfold, they're really, the universe has really got your back. The universe really is protecting you. The, the universe is truly 100% always working towards your highest good. And so when something doesn't happen your way and it makes you doubt it, it's because there's actually something way better right around the corner. Hmm. What do you say to people that um, maybe doubt the universe is on their side? What do you say to people that um, maybe don't believe? And, and you know, um, I, I'm a Christian. I believe you're a Christian too. We're believers, but not everybody sees it the same way. And there's many mm. ways to believe in this universe, the spirit world. What do you say to people that that doubt all that? I love that you asked me this question because my new book is really about this. <laughs> so let's talk about it. You're right. God is a some a man in a white robe with a beard that many people have looked towards where there's been this ideology around. And so if we just push that aside for a minute and we just take G-O-D, I like to call it G1, G1 energy. Every single molecule on the planet of every single thing has energy and has atoms. It has negative energy and positive energy. Everything, this microphone, this clothes, this ring, my hair, everything, this food, every single everything. thing. Everything. There's nothing that doesn't have energy in it. And it all has equal positive to equal negative energy. And so if you don't believe in G.O.D., that's so great. No problem. I support you. But what I would say is, no, in the science, there's G1 energy, good energy, and I call it D9 energy, sort of that devil energy, that negative. It's not devil. It's like downward. It's like disastrous. It's like, you know, it's all the negative things. So my suggestion to you is you don't have to believe in God, but what you should believe in is the positive and the negative energy that exists in everything. And which energy do you want to plug into? If you had an extension cord that came out of you and plugged into something, do you want to plug into the G1 positive energy or do you want to plug into the D9 negative energy? You have that choice. You absolutely, so relationships, who are you plugging into? Business, what are you plugging into? TV, what are you plugging into? Social media, what are you plugging into? Family relationships, what are you plugging into? What are you listening to? What are you, what are you connected to? And if you wanna be connected to something, my idea would be it's going, should be the positive positive, the uplifting, the G, the giving, the gregarious, the, the, the generous, all of that. So for me, like it's science in many ways. We don't have to believe in a, a white man in a white cloak with a beard. What we can believe in deeply is that the energy and the, and the force of everything, if everything is matter, universe is matter, positive and negative energy, which energy do you want to be a part of? Wow. I love that answer. Amazing. <laughs> amazing amazing and um i know that our listeners are going to get so much value out of that if that is all they heard their life's been changed thank you for sharing thank that. you thank you so much because fear is actually d9 energy fear is that negative energy that wants to pull you into indecision conflict self-doubt all of those things and so I, I even sometimes say something will happen. I'll be like, well, that was very D9. And I'll be like, okay, let's pull ourselves into the G1. How do I pull myself into what is it I really want? And this is a question that many people don't really ask themselves. What do you really want? If you were to just set aside the bucket 
of I need to make this much money and I need to do this. And if you were to just set that aside, yes, okay, we all need money to survive. We all need our base needs. If that was all taken care of, what would you want to do? What do you really want? What is really important to you? What do you really value? Many people don't have that answer. And the most funnest thing is to go and figure that out. Go find out what you want. Go find out what you love. Go uncover everything. Go discover everything. Go try everything to figure out. Because if you don't know who you are and what you want, the best thing you can ever do is go do that. Figure that out. I mean, life wants you to insatiably use it and enjoy it. And so I tell people when they say to me, I don't know what I want and I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Fantastic. Go try everything. Go do anything. Go uncover every stone. Go to every meeting. Read as many books as you can. Go try different sports. Go try different hobbies. Try everything and say, oh, that's not me. Oh, I like that. Oh, I don't, that's not for me. Oh, that's really good for me. And you will discover who you are. But you will never discover who you are sitting on the couch, looking at your phone, reading other people's posts, even reading other people's books. It's great to read other people's books. I'm a publisher. Read books. But take action from what you read. Read something and let it be the fuel to spark the energy to go do something. Spark See how passionate I am? Ignite. Ignite. Exactly. Uh, what a great principle to live by. I uh, love it. G1, D9. I'm, I'm writing it down. It's going to be posted everywhere in my brain. I love it. I love it. I want people to have like hashtag G1. Like G1 energy, baby. Hmm. That's better than Return on Life on Podcast. I, I, I love that. <laughs> wow. Hey, tell me about Ignite. Like, how did that happen? Because this is this is right into that. Great okay. transition to Ignite. So I'm very blessed to be standing here happy and um, joyous and successful and living in my bliss. But there obviously was a time in my life where things were, weren't so great. I was a single mom. I was raising my two kids on my own. I got into a relationship with a person who was suffering from addiction. And that person just really took me down the rabbit hole of disaster and, you know, made me question every single fiber of my being. I ended up um, having to put him in jail. I was assaulted. Lots of unfun things happened. But what I did do was I just turned inward. I lived under my baseball cap. I didn't want anybody to know. I was in utter shame. I was living a double life of like who I thought I was, but really what was going on in my life. I didn't tell any of my friends. My kids had a restraining order against him at school. I'd go to school like embarrassed. I mean, it was just, it was all unauthentic. And it took me about two years to work through that until one day at church, I saw a woman sitting in front of me who was trembling. She kept looking over her shoulder. She was extremely agitated. And I just knew that she was experiencing domestic violence. I just knew that she was me. I just knew that I was her. And so I went up to her and I invited her to come over and, and visit and have coffee. And I ended up just telling her right out of the gate that I had gone through domestic violence, that I all the things that happened to me. And she confessed very quickly that it was happening to her also. And we suddenly had this very kindred bond. I ended up having a group of women uh, come to my house every Friday under the guise that we were having wine night. But the truth is, every one of those women were suffering from domestic violence. And over time, as we shared our stories and confessed and 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 revealed what was really happening to us, and these were women who husbands were lawyers and doctors and mayors, and you know 
really important people where the shame of what was happening at home was just so gripping for these women. Eventually, we some of us wrote stories about what we were going through. Some of the women ended their relationships. I obviously moved on. But what I found was when you tell your story, you transform your life. That was the big takeaway, that when you tell your story, you transform your life. We all have skeletons in the closet. We all have things that we struggled with. We've all had things where we don't want anyone to know. And yet that is the very thing that has helped us be a better version of ourselves. And so I thought, you know what, why don't we tell these stories? Why don't we tell these heroes journeys of people going through things and not what they went through, the bad stuff, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on what they did because of it, who they became because of it, how their life changed because of it. And that has really transformed into a beautiful, beautiful experience. Over 700 authors, we published their Ignite Moments and we talk about Ignite Moments. I mean, I love it because we have everyone has that ignite moment, that epiphany, that moment of choice where they can decide how they're going to live their life and what they're going to do with the information that they've been given. So back to failure, back to fear. You have a choice. What are you going to do in that moment? How are you going to make that pivot so that you decide that this is going to be the thing that propelled me forward and where I want to go? Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. That was that was special. I. Um... And that's really how we met as well, is through uh, you asking me a few questions about igniting my life. And uh, the next thing you know, we're uh, we're doing some crazy stuff together. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, in your story that you just shared with me, um, I often share this with people I'm coaching, and it's about posture. And so when I mention posture, the first thing I think of is, well, you know, proud chest and I standing good, but posture is so much. It's it's our spirituality that that we have within us that's coming out. How is it coming out? Is it is it coming out in 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 beautiful ways or, or are we holding it back? Um, it's our physicality. It's um, it's our mental state. All of those things. And you just shared like where you were and how your posture was just pulled in and then you allowed it to open up and you could change lives by doing mm. that. Mm -hmm. um, so posture is so important and, and the safety that we feel within ourselves um, is so important. I, I really love that you say that about posture because I notice that with my authors. A lot of times my authors will come and work at Ignite and they're fearful and they're afraid and they're down and they're looking down and they won't even turn on the screen. They won't, you know, they won't, they won't show their picture like. And over time, there's this incredible physiological, physical change in them where they're now standing up, they're looking, they're, they're bright eyed, their eyes start to sparkle, their smile, their entire, you know, energy shifts, their posture shifts. Because the truth is they're standing in their authenticity. Yes, this did happen to me, but this does not define me. Yes, this is my story, but this story is, is a story. This is, this is a chapter in my life. Now I've got a new story to write. And so that, that belief, that knowing, that, that trust, that faith, that new meaning and what unfolded really does give people that confidence. Because when you live in shame and you live in fear, you really block people from getting to know you. And let's talk business for a minute. If you're running a business, if you want to be successful in business, people feel that block. They feel that unauthenticity. They feel there's just something there that isn't, isn't really real. And I'm not telling you to go tell everybody your story, but when you share your authentic story from a place of value, like I told you my story, not because I wanted you to feel sorry for me. I wanted you to see the value in the story and the, and the outcome of the story. And so when 
people just tell a story because they want attention or they want drama, that's one thing. But when people share their authentic selves because they want to give value, they want to help somebody else, they want to help someone move forward, that's the kind of people people want to do business with. Not billboards, not logos, not fancy, anything. People want to do business with people. And people who are who are confident and, and have learned from their story, I learned from my story. I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I want to say thank you that it happened to me because it helped me get to where I am today. So there was, I had to go through that journey to be here where I am now. And so it's really a beautiful experience when you allow people to see your authentic self. It doesn't mean you have to be taken for granted. It doesn't mean you have to be a wimp. It doesn't mean you have to let people walk all over you. It doesn't mean you have to cry. It doesn't make, it's none of that. It's the posture of knowing this is my story. I'm confident in my story. This is the trials that I've been through. Please learn from me because I want the best for you. You know, and it's it's when we have the confidence and the ability to tell our story, the posture changes. But the other thing that happens is we own it. And mm. we need to own our story. We can't keep blaming everybody else for our story. We have to own it. Yes, terrible things happen to people, but you still have to own it. You still have to take responsibility for who you are and, and, and reshape who you are in that moment, in that story, in that ignite moment, so to speak. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, Lisa Nichols is a good friend of mine and we were having dinner in Spain and in, in Barcelona. And I had just sort of come through my, interesting enough, after I went through this situation and I, I put my ex in jail, I ended up having a God conversation. If everything was good, what do I want? I really wanted to take my kids out of school and go traveling and do some charity work. So I pulled my kids out of school. They were eight and 12 and we spent a year traveling to third world countries just doing charity work. So I happened to be in Barcelona doing some charity work and I met with Lisa and I just come off of, you know, still healing from this. And she said, you know, you, when you're ready to talk about this and he can still have all the dignity and he could, she said, like, if you were on stage and you were telling the story and he was in the front row, he would, if he can walk out of that room still with dignity, then you've told the story the right way. But if anyone wants to throw rotten apples at him or if anyone has negative feelings towards him, you're still not ready to tell the story. And I thought that was really profound because when you really have impact with the story, you are not a victim. It's no one else's fault. You are standing on your own. Yes, those things happen to you. But you are talking about what you learned and where you're headed and the future, baby. And the past was just one of the beautiful stepping stones to get you there. Goosebump moment. Goosebump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it took me about two years after that conversation with her to be able to share my story, to tell it the way I told you now. Hmm. You know, I have a definition about leadership. Um, it's about um, leverage plus legacy equals true leadership. Hmm. So what I mean by that is that um, I want to allow others to leverage everything that I've done in my life. And hopefully they can be, hopefully that can help them on whatever it is, uh, business, life, family, marriage, whatever it is. So leverage. And then of course, if they've created their own legacy, mm -hmm. Now I can say, Randy, you truly are a leader. Only then, only then can you say you are a leader. Um, you've met so many incredible people, so many incredible people. And uh, maybe you want to touch on a few of those that have influenced you that have 
shaped and formed who you are. I know you just recently met with the Dalai Lama. So uh, I don't know, maybe yes. some cool stories there that you can share on leadership and influence. I will. You know, when I met His Holiness the first time, I've met him more than once. I was so excited. You know, you, you go to the to the monastery, you, you sit and he comes out of the room. And so I was waiting, like waiting. And I kept sitting there like I, I had an agenda. So let's talk about ROI. I had gone all the way to India. I wanted to meet the Dalai Lama. I wanted him to write my book. I wanted him to help me with the forward. I wanted him to be a part of my documentary. Like I had all these things I wanted from him. And as I was sitting there waiting for him, which was so fabulous, like I'm so happy that the universe gave me an opportunity to sit and wait. <laughs> Because in the waiting, I suddenly realized like all of that wanting that I wanted from him was very self-serving. And at the same time, it just seems so trite, if I can say that in all honesty, it just seemed not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And so I asked myself, what do I really want? And what I really wanted was to put my hand out and put my hand on his chest and feel his heart and just feel his essence. And so I visualized myself meeting him and just reaching out and putting his hand on, on my, putting my hand on his heart and him doing the same, putting his hand, because I really wanted us to just feel each other. I didn't want it to be a negotiation or, you know, or anything. I just wanted to feel him. So my time comes, I, it's all Lady JB, you're now going to be meeting His Holiness, da, 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 da. I walk up and I took his hand, I bowed, I kissed his hand, and then I stood up and I reached out and I put my hand on his chest. And one of his bodyguards immediately pushed my hand away so I couldn't touch him. And he looked at me with the biggest smile and he leaned forward and we touched foreheads. Oh. And I have to tell you, like everything in my body, just I got all the messages I need by just touching his forehead. And my kids say, you Bluetooth with the Dalai Lama. <laughs> But in that moment, what I realized is that everything I wanted, I have already. He literally said to me, you don't need me. You have everything you need to go and do. I want to ignite humanity. My mission is to ignite humanity. He said, you don't need me. You already have everything within you to ignite humanity. And so that was a really, really special moment because we're often always want something from somebody. And if I always say, Randy, if what you want wants you. So if you want to do something, it's because it wants you. It wants it, it's you. It wants it to be you. So if you want to speak, if you want to write, if you want to if you want to create a business, if you want to ignite humanity, humanity wants you. That's it's you. And so in that moment, he just really shared with me, like, you don't need me. You have everything you need within yourself. And that was one of the most beautiful moments of my life to realize he's right. I do have everything within myself let's collapse time. We don't know how fast or when or how or all of those things, but it's all in me. It's just like an acorn seed, right? It's this tiny, it has everything in it genetically to become a fabulous oak tree. We don't have to change anything about the acorn seed, you know, in year two or in year 12 or after university or once they get married, nothing in that seed has to change. Everything is in it to become the oak tree. And that's the feeling I got when I, after that meeting with him, mm -hmm. I've met him since again, uh, the last time I met him, I was sitting there talking to him and he reached over and he went with my cheek like this. And I have to say, like, I felt like just like six years old again, like I was sitting at Santa's knee, we just started laughing. And it was so fun to just see his authentic spirit, you know, because we have this persona of him. And so when you really see people in their authentic nature, they mirror it back to you. If you want to know people authentically, be authentic. Hmm. We've already run won the race. Every day, we've already won the race. 
True. You said something that uh, really triggered something in me. Uh, you know, your six-year-old self there. Man, if we could always go back to our six-year-old self in everything that we did, everything that we do on a daily basis, because we're so pure, so authentic, so easy to listen to and talk to and have others you know, push us down and we get angry for a few seconds and then it's all good again. Man, if we could just all be children with mm. curiosity, the imagination, you know, the willingness to be friends with everybody, like all of that, all of that. Oh, if we could have that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I, so I, my name is JB and I was, that's the name my parents gave me, but my middle name is Bernadette. And so when I went to school in kindergarten, they called me Bernadette the first day. And I was like, like, that's not me, right? Like I just was totally oblivious. And the teacher started calling me Bernadette. And I was like, I was so upset. Like, I just remember like mortified. Uh, my name is JB. And she said, like, this is 1975. Like, well, that's really not a name and nobody calls their kid JB and da, 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 da. So I went home, like marched home from kindergarten, like I needed to talk to my parents because they needed to go to the school because they needed to set the teacher straight because what do you mean that's not a name? And I remember stamping my foot with my parents saying, like, I need you to go talk to the teacher because I'm JB. And I remember very clearly saying that. And so you're right. Like we as children know our essence. We know who we are. We know what we believe in. And if we can tap into that true knowingness, and that really has been a defining moment for me in my life too, because I could have acquiesced. I could have said, oh, I, I, I need to go with the status quo, or you're right. That's not my name. Can you imagine how that would have followed me throughout my life and how that would have been detrimental? And so and I have one other story about that. I was cycling uh, two years ago. We cycled to Alaska and um, I wanted to do 200 kilometers in one day. That was my goal. I wanted to cycle 200 kilometers in one day. And just folks, that's like about 180 miles. And it took us about seven hours and 13 kilometers short of my 200 K mark. My family who was in our follow vehicle stopped to have a picnic and end the day. And I had been cycling for seven hours, multiple elevations, sunburned like crazy, mosquito bites like you can't believe, a sore, sore, sore muscle butts. I'm like, and they wanted to give up 13 kilometers short of the deadline, of the finish line. And they were like trying to talk me out of it. And I said, absolutely no. I'm sorry that it's convenient, inconvenient for all of you to get back in the RV and to drive 13 kilometers, but I am going to cycle to my finished line. And um, they were kind of choked and, and a bit upset because they had to pack up and da, da, da. But I told my daughters, I said, look, don't let anyone else's inconvenience stop you from achieving your goal. You guys didn't want to stop your picnic and you guys wanted to rest. I wanted to achieve a life changing monumental mark. And I wasn't willing to, because my daughter goes, why don't you just cycle around the parking lot for 13K? And I was like, absolutely no. And so the truth is, don't let someone else's inconvenience ever stop you from achieving your dream. That's their stuff, not yours. And if you have a goal, don't let it be easier to do something else because of someone else. And so I just share those two things because they're very poignant personality knowingness. This is important to me. And if people really love you, my parents did go to the school the next day. My kids did get in the car and we made the finish line because when you are convicted and you are clear, people 
dial into that and then they they support you and they believe in you. Absolutely. You know, your your name reminded me when I moved from one school to the other, I was Randall. I'm Randall. That's my real name. And I didn't want to be Randall. And I said, here's my opportunity to reinvent who I am. Because yeah. I always felt I was more of a Randy than a Randall. And my mom called me Randy, but everywhere I went, I was Randall. And so I just said, this is it. Yeah. I'm changing it. I can control who I want to be, what I want to do, how I want to do it. And so I just yeah. changed it. So thanks for sharing that because that brought back all my memories. And I always say to everybody, you can always reinvent yourself. You can do whatever you want. So true. So true. After my divorce, I reinvented myself after, you know, 2008, lost a whole bunch of money in the real estate crash, reinvented myself after I, you know, went bankrupt with my kids clothing company or had to reinvent myself. And so that's all beautiful and wonderful because it's like emerging from the cocoon as like a new a new offering a new opportunity and it's 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 a, it's really sad when people take a a hit and they say oh i don't want to learn the lesson i have to tell you going bankrupt taught me how to not go bankrupt again <laughs> failing in marriage taught me how to not to fail in marriage again you know tripping and falling taught me how not to trip and fall so you want those lessons because those lessons become your blessings and and really the truth is i i honestly believe everybody wants to succeed everybody wants other people to succeed the d9 energy of competition and you know there's not enough for you because if you have it then i don't have it that's just not the case there's so much in the universe there's so much on the planet there's more than we all need if we just really work towards having the abundance energy the prosperity energy the knowingness energy we will all have more than we could ever do with i have to be honest god makes life way more interesting than even i can think of it's so more much more fabulous mm. Hey, who's the best in the world of you? And I know you're, you know, I, I mean, we, I think you're amazing. You're the best, but is there somebody else you go, gosh, in my world, if I could be that person? I really have to be honest. I wouldn't trade my life with anyone else's. You know, everything has a front and a back. I used to admire Lady Diana a lot when she was alive. But then over time, I realized like there's a big cost that she has to pay to be who she is. Oprah, Michelle Obama, there's a front and a back to everything. And often we just see the front. We see the glitz and the glamour and the wealth and all the things. On, and now more than ever, Facebook, social media, Instagram, it's all people just show you the very best. They show you the very wonderful. And so it's so easy to get caught up in the front. But every single thing in life has a back. It has a cost. It has a price. There's there's a trade-off for everything. And, and people really have to realize that. If you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means not right now. And so you can have everything, just not all at the same time. So the truth is like the best version of me is, is I'm, I'm still getting there. I'm still moving towards it. I'm still, I, I still have so much more to do and so much more to achieve. Uh, but in all honesty, I really will share, like, if you really just want to step into who you are and step into what you do, embrace your authentic story, love your past, look back at where you've come from. You have a very unique, wonderful story journey that nobody else has and that story is your own unique ip that is your best ip is your story and your authentic truth and that is what people will pay unlimited amounts for when you are your true self and you offer your true gifts and talents that's so, the way to make money 
So this is great. So you talk about your IP. Mm -hmm. You've got many gifts. God gave you a lot of gifts, JB. Um, <laughs> you know, but did those gifts change or were they transformed through all of these experiences of life? And has one appeared to be, you know, the absolute biggest gift of all, the, the superpower, whatever you want to call it? Is there something there that just goes like, whoa, that one just that that is me. And I'm so mm. proud of that gift. I don't think I always had this gift. I, I think I did when I was little. I just love the gift of giving. I really do. And I remember so many right times. Back in my kindergarten again. Right. Yeah. The gift of giving, always making things for people. I was forever making things, baking, cooking, crafting, designing, painting, drawing, always giving stuff. I always had a gift for everyone. But then I lost that. You know, I got caught up in the same world of I needed money. I needed that. I wanted the Mercedes. I wanted this. I wanted that. Da, 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 da. And so I, I bought into that negative energy of like, I have to take, I have to have. If I have, I'm better. And, you know, the world just smacked me upside the head and said, okay, well, that's not so good. Get down on your knees. And I, I have, I, I like to say, I said this to my husband, God will either put you on, you either will get on your knees and be humble and grateful, or God will put you on your knees to be humble and grateful because we can't just keep taking, we can't, we can't live in that negative energy. So I feel like um, my greatest superpower now more than ever is giving. I just want to give to people. I want to give people hope. I want to give people ideas. I want to give people the tools that they need. I want to give people the platform that they deserve. I want to give people the inspiration, the self-worth, the confidence. That to me is truly my superhero power because my cup is so full that I'm giving from my saucer. Mm. I'm going to bring it down a little bit before we end off with a speed round. Um, who is JB in the quiet? Who is JB when there's no sound, there's no noise, it's just you and you only in the silence? Well, I'm very much, I'm very childish. I love to play. I love to craft. I love to write. I love to be with myself. I'm a Gemini, so I entertain myself all the time. Uh, but I really am a servant of God. Honestly, I, I do love to just be in peace. Um, I, I meditate on my hands and knees with my forehead on the ground in deep reverence. I put my hands out in front of me in servitude. And in my quietest, most joyous, most um, rawest moments, it's really a person of giving. It's a person who really um, loves to be of service and and I think giving is the absolute of receiving. So when you give, you because giving is receiving, you're giving. So people think, oh, I just keep giving and giving and giving and I'm drained. It's the opposite for me. When you give, you receive so much. Um, but I'm very playful. I'm a big jokester. I love to kid around. I love pink. I love sparkles. I actually have a unicorn hat that I wear when I'm writing because I think it makes me smarter. <laughs> I love that. I'm getting it's a unicorn hat. I just love to play. I love, and I just love to be myself. You know, I spent a lot of years in the film business, especially being something. And I find it so much less exhausting if I just be myself. And it's so much more rewarding if I just be me. And I surround myself with the right and perfect people if they just see the real me. And so I just feel like it's, it's way less work if I just be myself. Mm. You know, that question, uh, I asked that now and again, and 
it stumps people because we are never just in ourselves and understanding who we are and feeling us. You know, we're we're at uh, um, celebrating my 60th birthday on Thursday. Congrats! Thank you. And uh, and so we're out with some friends, and I said, just hold your heart, feel your heart, mm-hmm. feel your heart know who you are because your heart is the life it's it's the engine to everything within you and it was just this quiet magical moment that we had in this noisy restaurant and it was just like peace just came over our table mm-hmm. so i'm going to encourage you and and listeners just to hold your heart for a few minutes every day and just feel and love who you are and love your heart mm. It's so true that peace is so precious. I just was in Cabo and last week I was just laying on my stomach on the sand and I just was like feeling the earth and just feeling the amazingness of nature and the same kind of feeling like just being in total stillness and total peace and just quieting down. That is so precious. I do lots of silent retreats. I I meditate for five or six hours on end. I I really do take quiet time. And then I spin up and I get really busy and I go on my bike for 33 days nonstop. And so there's this wonderful, beautiful swing the pendulum both ways, but always going right back to the show, like live life, like live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you just do a little bit and you just kind of crumb through, give little crumbs in life that you're just going to get crumbs back. Mm, Love it. Okay. Let's finish off speed round. That hour went by so quickly. So fun. So many amazing takeaways. So speed round, fine dining, takeout, or Uber Eats? Fine dining. <laughs> Fine dining. Love it. Um, where do you go and what do you do to let your hair down? I get on my bicycle. So my husband and I have a tandem bike and we just get on our bike and we just ride. Mm, just ride. Mm. Life is a ride. Favorite band? I am so not a music person. That's one thing that's so funny about me. I just, I have a hearing imperity, which is always interesting because people, my teachers always told me that you'll never amount to anything. You can't spell, you can't, because I can't hear properly. So I don't hear phonetics properly. Here I am a publisher and a lead editor. Teachers don't know, they don't know. And when you have an imperity, you always have the ability to over, to compensate and to be, create, create a superpower from it. So I've never been a music person, but of course I, you know, I grew up with Michael Jackson. He's not a band. So I can't say I have a favorite band. I, I don't have one. Mine's you too. I'm seeing them uh, next month. Down in ah, you're yeah. so lucky. Yeah. Uh, text, talk, or face-to-face. I'm, I love to talk. Yeah, I'm a big communicator. Okay. Audible or book? Book. Okay. Last question. If you were a scratch and sniff sticker, if you were a scratch and sniff sticker and we scratched you, what would you smell like? <laughs> Cotton candy. <laughs> Pink cotton candy. <laughs> I've never had that answer before. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> what do most people say? <laughs> well, you know, it's a bit of a stumper. Um, I often have to help them along. So I would say, well, listen, I'll, I'll go first. I love the beach. I love kiteboarding. 
And I love being with my wife. So it's suntan lotion that my wife's put on me. It's uh, the sea breeze and it's a pina colada all wrapped up in one. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I get three. So it's definitely cotton candy uh, mixed in with frangipangi because that's this beautiful smell of the tropics and Hawaii and Fiji. So I love that so much. And um I don't know. Then it would be something like something that smells like love. I don't know what love smells like. Something like a little cinnamon flavor or something like I just uh, I I really want people to scratch and sniff and smile and have fun and feel inspired. So a little bit of frangipanji, some cinnamon and some cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> so the smell of love is cinnamon. OK, I got that. <laughs> I guess so. I can't think of what does love smell like, Rose. It's not really. A, I guess it could smell like roses, maybe a little bit. Well, it could be uh, for everybody. I'm sure it's that's true. Yeah. That's but, right. Awesome. I like I like love that's, you know, just maybe what does cinnamon mean for me for love? Like, you know, shake it up a little bit. You know, you got to like stir it up a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. I never like when people say I'm madly in love because I'm like careful because madly is not a good word. And you don't want to be mad all the time in love, being, even though you're madly in love. Be like joyously in love. Mm, blissfully in love. Yeah. Exactly. Bliss. JB, thank you so much for joining me on Return on Life podcast. This has been amazing. What an amazing guest you are. So many great takeaways. Appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, ditto to you. And you're doing an incredible job. And thank you for inspiring the lives and doing what you do. You are definitely igniting hearts and igniting souls. So bravo. It's been a blessing to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Till the next time. Take care.